This week's guest on How I Sell, presented by The Ramp Podcast, is David McCullum. David is the head of enterprise sales at Block, formerly Square. David has an impressive career with stops along the way at Double Dutch, Thousand Eyes, which was part of Cisco, Ansys, TriStar, and several other companies where he excelled in sales. In our conversation, David shares his thoughts on leadership, running teams, and he even gets into the nitty gritty on how to win complex enterprise deals. I appreciated this conversation with David because he goes an extra layer deep and shares in detail some of the hardest points in his career, including when he published a blog post that got some harsh criticism online. David has consistently achieved and overachieved quota expectations his entire career, and I know you'll love his guidance. Let's jump in to this episode of How I Sell, presented by The Ramp Podcast with David McCullum. You're listening to The Ramped Podcast, a podcast connecting industry heavyweights with the next generation of talented professionals. We're on a mission to build transparency into the practical realities of your early career by exploring how the world's best did it themselves. Our guidance will help you discover and launch a successful career in sales, technology, finance, and many other industries. Welcome back to How I Sell. Today, I have a special guest with us. He's currently the sales leader at Square. He's had numerous stops along the way in an illustrious career in enterprise sales. It's Mr. David McCullum. David, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here, Danny. And thank you for the kind words. Illustrious. That's a wonderful description. Appreciate that. Well, we were admirers from afar and now up close on you and your background. So I'm pumped to have you. I know our folks are going to love it. Uh, Before we jump into the same five questions we're asking all of our guests on season two of How I Sell, we'd love to know who is David McCullum? I'm just a normal guy. I'm a dad of two. I'm married to a wonderful woman named Megan. We uh, got two little kids. I've got a daughter, Eleanor, who's five, and a son who's two and a half. I was doing my daughter's soccer practice yesterday afternoon. I'm, I'm somebody who, uh, you know, just, just like anybody else is trying to provide the best life for my family. That's what we're doing today. That's awesome. That's awesome. I do appreciate, and I, I'm not sure if you checked out some of the previous episodes, but I really appreciate when folks start with non-work-related things. It's, you know, work can be so intense. It's such a big part of our lives, but we're really yes. people outside of work as well. Yes, that's right. And it is a very important part of our lives, probably more so now than I've ever seen it in my career, to be honest with you. Just there's so much, especially because so many people are at home nowadays, there's such a blend and blurring of the lines. Um, I'm sure you've talked about that with other guests, but man, it's uh, it really is an important thing to kind of find and create that separation when when possible. Because you're right, they're really, the, the, more than ever now, the, the career and the work stuff is more more part of our lives every day. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Well, mm-hmm. let's jump into it again Want to mention for our audience, we are asking our guests the same five questions to give them the apples to apples comparison on all things sales and career trajectory. So if you're ready, David, let's jump in. Let's do it. All right. Question number one, what is the best investment an early career salesperson can do for themselves and why? So as an early salesperson, the focus should be on learning and experience. And that's where I, I look back on my time and my first job out of college was a was a sales job and I, I had no prior sales experience. And I I sat outside this guy John Driscoll's office. My cube was literally outside of his office. And and he probably was thinking to himself, what in the world is this kid doing? But every day I would 
walk into his office and I would just sit there at times, probably uncomfortably, for comfortable at times, and just listen and learn like a sponge. And I would pick up on on little things that he did, certain words that he would use. You know, funny, I look back on this, even even the way he signed off on his email. You know, I think it sounds like a really silly thing to copy or try to emulate, but I was, you know, I was just trying to learn everything I could at the time that I had. And I'm so grateful to have somebody like that who was willing to let me just sort of be around. It's really hard nowadays with COVID providing that same experience for our new hires at Square, but we still value that sort of shared experience and collective experience and learning. And some can be captured, you know, through tooling, uh, you know, things like tools like Gong or recording a Zoom meeting like this. But back then, I mean, I'm looking back at my early career, I gained so much just from being a sponge and listening and learning from others. John in particular was somebody I look back on. I'm like, man, I'm so grateful my cube just happened to be outside of his door. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I uh, I happened to luck into sales. It wasn't something that I was focused on at school at all. And when I started, I remember I had just had this like deer in the headlights or I did not know what the hell I was doing. And I was very yeah. fortunate to sit around and we, you know, at Groupon, we had open seating to sit around a few folks that were just like really, yeah. really nice and let me almost copy their exact like actions in Salesforce, what to do with my notes, how to organize my day and structure my day. And that's so key and important to just emulate folks that can do it or have done it before you enough to get that repetition built in. That's right. But well, well said. I'm happy you had that same experience and we're fortunate enough to be around people who were willing to invest in you and give you that time. Awesome. Question number two, what is the biggest surprise you experienced early in your career and why? I got to tell you, I was always, I was not always, I still am, I suppose, caught off guard, but I I was shocked to learn that I wasn't in complete control uh, over my destiny or really just in complete control over my career. I was sort of taught maybe at a young age or maybe more appropriately, just kind of taught through some of the sales onboarding and mentoring and, and, and coaching that I had that as long as I focused on my number and hit my number, that everything would be okay. And I learned very quickly and very early on in my career that there are things outside of, outside of our control. There are things that are, that are company specific or company wide challenges. And this was a really big, surprising shock to me. I just thought all I had to do was worry about myself, kind of stay in my lane, hit my numbers and everything would be a okay. And the, and the truth is that there's just, there's just a lot of things that can happen outside of our control. And. And I, and I think that was a really powerful learning for me. It happened, thankfully, happened to you know at, at, a, at an early age or an early part of my career. And I look now at a lot of younger professionals and folks, even within our org, who are sort of caught out when things don't work out the way they expect them to. And it, and it's not personal at times. Like it's not like the company's out to get people or anything like that. It's you know sometimes there are just things that happen outside of our control and and that's okay we need to be flexible and we talk about resiliency all the time within our work but just resilient in our response to some of the things that are outside of the control so that was a big surprise for me to answer your question that was the biggest surprise for me early on was just the lack of control i had and that was took took a lot of getting used to yeah it's interesting you say that um sales is often positioned as something where you put in this amount of work and you get out 
you know, this amount of output. I'm That's curious right. to know off of that, you know, what were some of the things that you experienced in, in that first career, you know, as you're coming up like that were outside of your control? Like what, what ended up being, mm-hmm. you know, surprising to you in that avenue? And I mean, a good, good, great example. So I, I was fortunate enough to inherit a territory in my first AE job. So I was, started out as, as an SDR and then I, I was promoted into an AE role and I inherited a territory that was not very saturated. So I had a lot of greenfield, let's call it just a lot of opportunity within that territory. Yep. And I started cranking and things were going really, really good. And I was shocked at how good they were going. I was almost shocked. I was almost like, wow, this is this is incredible. I was a number I think I remember looking at this report. I was a number three guy in the entire country. And it was my first age. I'm thinking this can't get any better. And then our CEO decides he's leaving. And I'm just thinking about thinking like Okay, like that shouldn't be a huge change or disruption to my deal because I'm just, a, you know, I'm just an AE doing my own thing. I'm an independent, essentially, I'm an independent player here at this point in time. But boy, did that have a material impact on our culture. It had yep. a material impact on the way we showed up with customers. It had a material impact on some of the way we, the way we treated each other internally in the company. My relationship with the sales engineering team that I worked with and relied on very heavily changed because he reorged and the new gentleman came in and reorged the way that, and, and, and really shifted our entire go to market. So I, that's a great example of something that. I mean, I didn't push the CEO. I had no involvement at all in the CEO's right. decision to transition out and go and try out a new venture, but it had a major impact on my ability to perform. Or I would say it required me to adapt in a way that I was not prepared for in a new selling mode and have a new selling motion, new go to market, et cetera. That's, a, that's an example that comes to mind that I learned early on. Yeah. And that's, that's again, something that's not coached or taught to you anywhere in life, really up until that point, you know, you're, 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 I went to business school, right? And we've, we do yep. tons of case studies of like the successful companies, why they worked out, what culture had to do with it. But you're never mm-hmm. taught, you know, hey, tomorrow your boss, your CEO, somebody else at the company with a lot of pull could leave because of whatever reason. And you got to figure it out. The company's not going to stop rolling. You just got to figure out, you know, what you're going to do and how you're going to react to it. And, you know, what I've, what I've heard multiple times on this podcast for sure is you can't control that type of action. You only can control how you react to it and how, what, what you mm-hmm. do with the information that you're given. Yeah, that's well said. I, I agree with that advice. I've heard that on your podcast as well. So I, and I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Awesome. Well, moving on to question number three, what is one mistake that you made early in your career that shaped the way you operate today? Yeah. So I, I, I told this story and I, I mentioned this to many people um, who have asked a similar, a similar question. I, but first of all, I, I will say I've made a lot of mistakes, a ton um, of, of mistakes and, and, and that's okay. In fact, we talk, we talk often within our org about failure and we want to be intentional about our understanding of failure. And we want to acknowledge that failure is, is absolutely, I want to be very clear on this, absolutely okay. And, and we believe we can learn things from failure and react to that experience in a really positive way. And I, and I, I'll share some of this mistakes specifically in failures and, and we could talk a little bit how, how that impacted my career and how I, I grew through some of those experiences. An example is early on in my career, my team was short, um, of its number really by a not, not a significant amount, believe it or not. And it was coming down to the wire. And I'd actually gone on site to visit a client or a prospect at the time in San Francisco. And I received verbal communication or verbal confirmation that I was going to win this deal. 
from the stakeholder who I had met with in San Francisco. Yep. So here I am, I think I was 23 or 24, maybe 25 at the time. I can't remember the exact age. Let's say I'm 24 for fun. And I'm driving back down the 101 and I'm, I cannot wait get, to get back to the office because here I am, I have the, I have this deal in my pocket and I'm going to save the number and I'm going to be this guy and it's going to be really cool and I'm get all these accolades and I come back to the office on cloud nine. This is where I made my mistake. I told everybody who would listen to me, including our CEO, oh boy. that this deal was coming in. And and I did this and, and cut corners in my sales process and did not obviously take the appropriate steps needed to limit my risk. And guess what happened? I think you probably know what happened here. I oh, lost yeah. the deal at the 11th hour, right? And so, you know, in that moment, I felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed. I, I let the team down. I felt like I let the team down. I remember... I remember lying on the floor of the 24-year-old, something ridiculous that came out of now. I remember lying on the ground in my office and just wanting to hide, right? Because I, you know, and I just was dreading the conversation that was going to have to happen. And I learned a really valuable lesson, obviously, at that time about communication. But I also learned a really valuable lesson about in, in, in uh, through this experience and, and about perspective. And, it, and it's something that actually my dad helped me get to. And he asked me, he could tell I was incredibly distraught. I had actually weirdly coincidentally had a dinner planned with he and my uh, my mom that evening at a friend's house. And I was, you know, not in the great, great, uh, not really in a great mood. And he goes, what's going on? I said, you know, I just lost this deal and I feel like I let the team down. And he said to me this, he said, have you ever lost a deal before? It's a rhetorical question. Of course, he knew I had. And I said, yes, I have. And he goes, well, I can tell you what, it's not the first deal you've lost. I know that. And it certainly won't be the last. So keep things in perspective. It's a blip on a very, very long journey. And that, for me, really helped put in perspective at the time, just, you know, just really what this deal represented in my life. Yep. And the truth is, in my life, and in part of this like very long journey, like we're going to be on for the next six at the time, I guess, next 80 years of my life, my goodness, it's just not, it's just a blip, right? And so it was a really powerful moment. I don't think to this day he knows the impact that it had on me. I've never told him about that. But it it did have a powerful impact on the way I showed up at the office, the way I treated opportunities in the future, the way I thought about my role and responsibilities. And so it had a very powerful impact. Um, This loss, ironically, this mistake, if you will, had a very powerful impact on the way I showed up in the future. So that's an example. Um, you want me to share another one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's go for it. I, I'm just uh, I'm admiring that advice that you got at the right time. And I think that's just such great perspective. And I want to hear the, the next one too. But I just think for audience, it's such great perspective to remember that, you know, when you're in it, it feels like the end of the world. It feels like this is the one thing that's going to win right. or lose my career. And really it's zoom out, right? This is... This is just a tiny speck on an otherwise like long career. So you'll have more opportunities. You'll lose more opportunities, but you'll have more. You'll win more. You'll lose more. But that's such great advice. You know, it's funny because sales leaders have a wonderful way of making every deal feel like the biggest, biggest thing that's ever happened to anybody, right? I mean, and, 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 and you know, sometimes that's really, really powerful and, and, has, and it can act as a motivating um, tool or mechanism, whatever you want to call it. But but it is fun, funny every once in a while you get a, a different perspective from a, you know, in my case, a, a father who's got a view of my life that transcends this specific deal or tra- even transcends this career, right, that I'm in right now. And so 
anyway, I just think that's interesting that, that, you know, sales leaders, you know, I'm guilty of this too. I talk to my team. We ask questions about specific deals. I approach these deals like, like they really, 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 really matter because yeah. in the moment, to your point, they really do matter. Right. But, but the perspective, you back up a little bit, like you said, you just back up a little bit, look at the bigger, take a the wider lens and look at things. It might, might help change the way you think about things a little bit. Yep. That makes total um, sense. The other mistake I made was, uh, I, I look back on this moment, I think it wasn't quite Jerry Maguire-esque, but it was, it was getting there, getting close. So I decided, and this is goofy, I'm, and I'm, I, I regret, I regret writing this thing immediately, but I wrote 2013. I took the opportunity to, to make a blog post and go on LinkedIn and share it about a change in called sales motion or behavior that I saw potentially happening in the future. And to summarize this blog post, it essentially said, Hey, this I win, you lose mentality associated with sales and selling today, which was at the time a very common way of negotiating and positioning enterprise software and enterprise licenses is going to change because in the next two, three, four years, this thing called software as a service is going to become more common and the payback period is going to extend beyond a year and you're not going to want to have your customers have this miserable, contentious buying experience with you because you're going to need them to renew or else you're going to lose money on these transactions. And that's kind of a synopsis of this blog post. You could probably go and find it. And I got, this is 2013, I got roasted. I mean, I, I, these people coming out of the woodworks, people who I had like been in SDR training with in Boston, I mean, you know, you, you know, how, how are you crazy? You know, perpetual licenses are the way of the future. Admittedly, that was the dominant way of licensing at the time. You would sell a gigantic upfront contract with a, call it a, they called it a perpetual license. And then there was an annual maintenance contract that was a mm. subset or a very small percentage of that perpetual license in perpetuity. But soft, software as a service or SaaS is, was not really a thing yet. It was becoming more of a thing. Now, obviously, today it's you know ubiquitous, and you see you know very rarely see um, perpetual licensing anymore because the the lifetime value of these SaaS contracts is so much greater than these perpetual licenses that it made sense for companies to go that direction. But at the time, my goodness, you would have thought like I had like betrayed this like sales club or I don't know what. It just got everybody fired up, and I learned a really powerful lesson. It really hurt. Like the, the feedback really right. hurt. People right. telling me I'm crazy. I'm soft. I've lost my touch. I'm out of touch with reality. Wow. And I'm thinking to myself, why did I put myself out there? What a what a goofy move that was. And I learned a really valuable lesson about just being okay with not being the most popular guy at the time or being yep. even at the time in which I wrote this article, I had to be okay and comfortable with the fallout. Mm -hmm. And it taught me a really valuable lesson about confidence about conviction, um, about putting yourself out there. And and I look back on that experience and I think, man, in the moment, that was really rough. I mean, people people who I had a lot of respect for and I really liked coming at me and telling me I was essentially crazy and it didn't make me feel very good in the moment. But yep. Looking back, it was actually a really powerful learning experience and I'm happy I did it. I'm happy I put myself out there. So... Nice. Well, thank you for sharing and walking us through, you know, kind of the emotional toll that it took on you too. I think it's not easy to make those decisions even in the moment. It sounds like you felt 
potentially, and maybe paraphrasing a bit, potentially like it was the wrong decision. And I'm glad you came to the realization over time that this is okay. It's okay to go out and uh, on my own conviction and what I'm confident in and, and share it. And I'm, gl- I'm glad you got there. I'm glad you got there in, in the long run. Yeah. And I'm also happy, not, thank God, that SAS became more <laughs> Honestly, it's, it's nice looking back and being able to tell this story now. Right. In retrospect, it does make me, you know, I feel better about it now, but I will tell you for like this, about a year after I wrote that blog post, I remember thinking to myself, what was I thinking? My gosh, you know, this is silly. But uh, now looking back, okay, it worked out okay. Um, anyway, but that's, uh, yeah, thank you for sharing. Thank you for saying those things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Moving on feels feels like a weird segue, but we do have to go on to the next question. Number four, who, who has had the greatest impact on your career? And if you could expand, that'd be great. And sometimes folks take this question because they don't necessarily feel comfortable naming mm-hmm. somebody to a situation or mm-hmm. situations that have had the biggest impact on their career. Yeah, I've got two answers. I've got um, the the easy answer just because she's, you know, she is such a meaningful part of my life is that my wife, Megan, has had the greatest impact on my career, bar, bar none. She's got incredible perspective and experience in her own career that's helped me. And she's really smart and has great instincts. And so, you know, as somebody who, who I can confide in and talk through situations with, she's incredibly, she's been incredibly valuable to me. And it's also really powerful, I'll say, knowing that in your life, you've got somebody who, 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 who loves you or cares about you, loves you no, no matter what happens, right? No matter whether this deal goes through or whether this promotion happens for you or if you make a mistake, that's going to change the way that she feels about me. And that's a very freeing and powerful feeling that I think has really helped me in my career is having that sort of support and 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 having her alongside me. And then professionally, I'll I'll, I'll segue over really quickly to more of a professional relationship. And there's a gentleman named named Pankaj Prasad who I worked with at Double Dutch. He was a co-founder of Double Dutch, and he had an incredibly interesting and powerful impact on me because of the way he led and responded with such intention in every interaction. And I had worked in a sales culture and environments in the past that were more, um, I'll say transactional in terms of how they viewed me, peers on their team. It was always about the number. Pankaj was the first leader who I worked with who looked not only at the number, because the number matters, but at the upstream impacts if you want to call them that, but like the upstream inputs that informed the number. And he had this really unique perspective and he was fun to work with because his approach was like, let's just go and break stuff and try new things. And I'm like, this is amazing. And I, I remember I started at Double Dutch and there was no enterprise sales team at the time. So no enterprise sales motion. We had an SDR team and a small business team that was closing small incremental deals primarily with agencies and associations. And they hired me to figure out whether or not we could actually sell to some larger corporations. And we'd never done that before. And in two months, in two months, I didn't have a ton of success. And then I had a huge breakthrough. And I closed a very big deal with a company called TE Connectivity in Pennsylvania. And this was a big breakthrough because we'd never done anything like this before. We didn't really have the support necessarily built at the time, but we were selling a little bit, kind of proving it, if you will, a little bit out in front of where the product was as well. And I remember he comes over to my desk with this big smile on his face and he goes, I knew we could do it. And he goes, 
Now, do you think we can do this again? (laughs) 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 You know, kind of jest. I just thought it was like the greatest, most genuine, you know, comment. Just like the honest appreciation for the work that I had put in. But also, like, just the honest and sincere, sincere question. Like, okay, David, can we, like, can we scale this? Like, can we do this again? Like, is this a one-off? Yep. It was so organic, real, genuine. And I knew his intention all along was good in that he wanted this to work. He wanted me to be successful. He wanted me to try new things. He wanted me to challenge the way we did things at Double Dutch. And that was a really, really cool environment to work in. It was very freeing to know that you can just, he said, hey, just let's figure it out. Yep. I go, let's figure it out. That sounds really fun. I, I can try figuring it out. You know, that was a really, really neat, neat experience. So I look back on his, and uh, he and my relationship, and I think, wow, that was really powerful. And he had a really powerful impact on the way I show up too. Really cool. Really, really cool. And it's not always the case in sales that somebody says, let's figure it out, right? It's usually, especially early in your career, you know, here are the things you must do to get to the number, the result. I'm glad to hear that you worked with somebody who pushed you in that realm. And I think it's always very cool when you get a boss or a leader that is in that mindset of, yeah, we got to hit the results. We need the numbers. Obviously, we don't have a business without the numbers, but we're on the journey to figure it out as well. So that, 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 that's awesome experience. I, I agree with you. And, and I think this, you know, we think about this all the time in, in my current capacity at Square. Our, our team, my team is operating at the boundary of where Square is today in terms of our ability and, and who we focus on and our support of our largest customers. I think there's a ton of value, especially in this stage in our journey, to, to just embrace and empower our team to be creative and to try new things you know, break stuff along the way. We talk about failure, failing, failing fast, you know, and I think that actually, if we, if we, if we allow our, our team to, to be creative and to flex that call it that creative energy or, or leverage that creative energy in their interactions with our customers or with our colleagues and peers, I, I believe you're going to have a happier sales team. And I think we're going to have a higher performing team. I, I, that's my experience. You know, people could probably call in or write in or I'm not sure how to connect with you, but they could disagree with me and be like, guys, you know, we have to have a very defined process. Look, I, I get that. I will go toe to toe with a lot of enterprise sales leaders and I can flex on the process side if you want me to. But I will tell you that I, I always like to look at the team as an op and as is as individuals who have unique skills and have creative talents and then also creativity that, that really is their superpower that allows them to really cry, try new things and, and find success. So. Yep. That's awesome. It's a good mix of art and science here right. in our in our little uh, our little sales realm. So last question we've asked all our guests, both seasons, <clears throat> this one, you know it's coming at this point. <clears throat> if you could go back in time now that you have the benefit of hindsight, what is one piece of advice that you would give yourself entering into your career? So I think for for me, and I talked a little bit about this um, earlier uh, around control, but like I think just being being flexible. There, there is so much power in being open to new experiences, new opportunities. It's like, and I think, I think there's this fear collectively of failure. I think we, we, in folks who who have opted into a career where a lot of their success is measured in a very, you know, measured in a very quantitative way, there's a lot of fear around failing or not hitting that number and what's going to happen if that doesn't happen. I, I think that, that just sort of embracing the unknown and being flexible and open to new challenges and new opportunities, and new experiences 
is what's going to give you a little bit more confidence and comfort around that failure when it happens. So for me personally, I was always, I was just stressed all the time about missing my number or not being good enough. And I was comparing myself to, to others on my team. And, I, and looking back, like it, there were times that I just was, it limited my, it limited my perspective. It limited my creativity. It limited the way I thought about my opportunities as a professional. And so being flexible and open to new experiences and opportunities is what I would tell myself. If I could go back and be like, dude, it's not all about this one specific deal. It's not all about this one specific opportunity. It's it's about the journey and meeting these wonderful people along the way. And, you know, and, and I would go back and tell myself, look, like these relationships you're going to make through these different stops and along this along this journey, those relationships are really what, what actually matters. Yep. Um, those relationships really matter. And they don't just matter because they add value to your life and those relationships are meaningful to you personally, but they actually create value professionally, believe it or not. Like the relationship I have with Pankaj Prasad, for example, I just talked about Pank, so I can go back to him again. Like he's still somebody I have a relationship with. I still talk to the CTO of Double Dutch. One of my best buddies was one of the guys who helped me get connected with somebody over at Square, like that best buddies that I, I worked with at a prior stop. This form, that, that CEO, that story I told you about the CEO leaving, he is one of the guys who took me... After after he left, he he called me up and brought me over to a startup that helped kind of launch launch the next stage of my career. My point I'm making is that there's tons of value in those relationships, both personally and professionally. And being open to trying new things is what is is, is what I go back and tell myself. Awesome, love that. Uh, you know, you said something that I think has been echoed a few times over on on our episodes, which is just like being open minded, being flexible. You know, there's so much to learn, and you can learn from anywhere and anybody. So I think this is a good thread and and something that has been said a few times. But for our audience, like you know, take it to heart. You're, you're watching uh, a guy in David who's who's done it and who's who's used it to his advantage throughout his whole career, and you can see what he's done with it. So I think that's that's really profound. So thanks for sharing. Can I say one more thing? Yep. Be be nice to people. That's one of the lessons I learned like really early on. You know, be nice to people. Be nice to your colleagues. Be nice to your customers. Be kind. You're going to be surprised at how far just kindness and, and genuine care and interest gets you. I look back on some of the people who I have, who I've been fortunate enough to work with along the way, and and I look where they've gone in their career, and they're doing things that are you know way beyond even you know where I'm at or anything like that. And it's just it, the, the the consistent thread that I see in these folks is that they're just nice, genuine people who care about yeah. others. You know, and and I think that it's um, maybe goes without saying that you should treat people with kindness and respect, but. You know, I think that's a really powerful lesson for folks too, and they're interacting with with others every day. Yeah, I uh, I agree. That's a, a excellent place to uh, to leave it. And I do want to give you an opportunity to get out of here on one thing. You know, where can people find you? How do they reach out to you? Uh, how do they how do they come seek you out? Yeah, so you can you can find me on LinkedIn, David McCollum. I don't even know my LinkedIn handle. That's kind of embarrassing. I should have probably had that prepared. Maybe you can put it in the show notes for folks. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, yep. Yeah, and if and if people want to reach out to me, you're always welcome to reach out to me. You can chat through uh, different questions you've got different uh, ideas you've got <laughs> different and if I can help you I'd love to help you out and so that's probably the best way to get a hold of me and I I don't know what other people they provide tw- you know Twitter handles and things like that I don't really yeah. tweet that much to be honest <laughs> I'm not really a big I'm not I'm not really you know even though um, I'm like you know Twitter adjacent at swear I guess you could say it I, I'm not as active on social media as maybe some other guests have been in the past but uh, yeah probably the best way to get a hold of me professionally is, is via LinkedIn that's great David thank you so much for coming on the no show worries. 
loved having you. We hope to do this again sometime in the future. And thanks for, for being so generous with your time and your thoughts. Hey, Danny, no worries at all. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope to see you come visit, come visit beautiful Boise, Idaho when you can with your family. And congratulations in advance of your second child's birth. Ah, thanks so much. Appreciate yeah, no it. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to The Ramped Podcast. To access our show notes, The Ramped Platform, or to become a corporate partner, visit www.rampedcareers.com or email us at sales at rampedcareers.com. This podcast is brought to you by Ramped. Ramped is on a mission to democratize job access through learning and career discovery. Until next time.